Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good friend Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I am good. Feels like it's been a long week. Kind of just ready to get into the weekend and move on. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of is... with you there. It's been muggy here all mm-hmm. week long, and um, yeah, it's draining. It's just been uh, massive amounts of humidity. Uh, today's a little bit better, but it's very hot today, but it's just, yeah, ooh, dog days of summer. Yeah, yeah, and you generally like the summer more than I do, but I definitely get to this point and I'm feeling like, you know, uh, the kids have been around and, you know. Well, that's, there's that. That's <laughs> there's going well, but they've still been around and, like, you know, can never get, like, a moment's peace and um, <clears throat> and it's hot and just ready ready for something to change. But I think, I think there will be plenty of change over the next month, so. Yeah, August is upon us next week, right? Usually it is. Once, yeah, once August comes around, it feels like summer's almost over. I know. Yeah, even though there's, I mean, there's a full month of it left, but it still kind of feels that way. So. Yeah, I've always felt that way. Once once it, the page turns on July, it seems like you start thinking about that back to school and fall. But. So before we jump into our main topic, I wanted to touch briefly on uh, Facebook and their earnings report this week. I'm sure you saw that. Oh, yeah. Um, pretty big news, you know, they lost like 120 billion in market cap, but of course they're still like pretty near the top of the list in terms of market cap. And we haven't really talked about Facebook on here, I think over the past few months as things have been happening, you know, to them and around them and leading into this earnings call, I kept having the thought of, you know, we, we talked a lot, you know, about the banks back in the financial meltdown, you know, about them being too big to fail. And I had this thought of like, I almost wonder if Facebook is too big to succeed, like the scale that they've achieved with all these, you know, billions of users on their system, and they want it to be an open platform, but their cost models and everything don't really account for a ton of moderation or a ton of, you know, safeguards in place. Uh, And I I think it was kind of interesting because that's what we saw in the earnings report is they, they seem to be saying hey, we need to take this a little bit more seriously, and it's going to cost some money in order to do that. And investors reacted, you know, kind of dramatically. And I'll be really interested to see exactly how that plays out going forward. You know, if if Facebook really sticks to that, and if they do try to put more safeguards in place, and then if those safeguards are even enough, uh, and then if they're doing that, and if they're kind of changing, you know, their financial model and the expectations around that, how the market reacts to it. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think one of the other things with Facebook is that when you talk about growth and scale um, beyond even the you know privacy, security, and other issues that they've been dealing with, is I I think that it's going to slow down for them um, because I see the the youth, young people are not as invested in Facebook if they even use Facebook at all. And so I wonder going forward if uh, Facebook has peaked in terms of its uh, of its growth. And perhaps it'll uh, the size it, its size will stagnate, and then maybe they might be able to. That might be a good thing. They might be able to get a better handle on all of the privacy, security, business model issues that they've been grappling with, if they're not experiencing you know exponential growth. 
that may be a way for them to be able to rein things in. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I saw someone on Twitter say that uh, it was almost like the investors reacted to Facebook saying the reason we're not going to be adding any more users in the U.S. and Europe is because there are no more users in the U.S. and Europe to add. <laughs> like everyone's yeah. joined, and and Apple I think has a similar thing with the iPhone. You know, uh, you know, Android phones have a larger market share than iPhone right. does, but we've get, we're getting to a point where everyone who is probably going to buy an iPhone has bought one, you know, and, and people have kind of made their decision and there's not going to be all this, you know, switch over from Android. And so that market is getting saturated. And with the, the stock market being so fixated on growth, the, the scale of these companies, it's like, okay, we achieved global scale. Now where is there to go? You know, so now we have to do a completely new business line or something like that. And it's not it's not so easy. And and to your point, if they if they then decide to double down on some of the problems that they've had, you know, that's going to change their trajectory and some of the expectations around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I, th- I mean, the whole idea of, of market saturation, I, I, I mean, you're spot on when it comes to the phones and the iPhone. And, and I think we, we're going to see that across a number of these different companies and, and their platforms is it's, you know, at some point you, you've reached everybody. And then, and then, you know, in order to uh, satisfy Wall Street, you've got to figure out a new business line, like you said, or continue to upgrade your product and try to force people to move up to the next version, even if it's, you know, <laughs> incrementally more improved or has just some kind of minor new feature that you've added to it. So it's, it's a bit of a dilemma, I think, for a lot of these large companies that have already reached major global scale. Yeah. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to watch um, because I think, you know, it's just another example of, you know, at the beginning of an adoption cycle or a, a new technology or a new platform coming out, it's it's kind of hard to see how it's not going to take over the world. It's like, well, gosh, you know, here it goes and it's growing like wildfire and it's going to be amazing. But, you know, inevitably there's a reality check uh, and, you know, history has shown that, not every company that starts out amazing continues to be that way. And some of them right. do, um, but there's there's typically some some bumps in the road. And I think we're getting into that phase, you know, with, with some of these companies, with a lot of the, the technology trends that we're seeing these days. Uh, and so, you know, maybe some, like I said, some reality check uh, in, in the days ahead. Yeah, totally agree. I think it's going to be an interesting uh, over the next five years to see where some of these big platforms end up. Um, whether they scale back or whether um, you know there's some new upstarts that ha- that that get into the market that are doing something um, that eclipses you know what Facebook is doing today or what Google may be doing today, it's it'll be interesting to see. Right. Well, we were talking earlier about uh, feeling like it's the end of summer, and I think for you and I, another thing that makes it feel that way is our ChannelCon event that comes up. That you know, a lot of the summer is geared towards that. And then it happens, and then there's kind of a relief. And so it's happening next week. You and I are going to be in Washington, D.C. for this year's version of ChannelCon. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Uh, it'll be muggy there as well. But, you know, um, it, it'll be it'll be fun to, to head into D.C. It's, it's nice to have ChannelCon, speaking for myself, on the East Coast, for once, it's been a long time. It's usually either out out in your neck of the woods or in, in Chicago or out somewhere out west. So it's kind of nice for me. It's an easy, easy peasy travel this this year. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good thing. the The theme this year is the business of technology, which is a theme that we've had inside CompTIA for the past year or so. 
And it's it's really a theme that we've been talking about on Volley for a while, that as, as we look at the IT industry, and that's changing, particularly that enablement layer that sits between vendors and end users is really going through some drastic change. And it's moving from being a pure distribution mechanism into uh, a much more broader enablement uh, and more complex partnering and things like that. And, and the audience that we have at ChannelCon is right in the thick of that enablement layer. So I, I'll be interested to see a lot of the themes that we've been talking about here, whether it's you know distribution or whether it's the shift into strategic IT, you know how much we hear from members that that's happening out there in the wild. Uh, and I know you and I are each doing a few sessions uh, and running a few things where I think we'll have a good chance to see some of this. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think, you know, we've been seeing this slow evolution uh, ever since cloud computing came to fore. And, you know, we've been talking about cloud forever, but that seems to have been the catalyst for some of the changes that we're seeing within the traditional channel and the expansion of different types of companies that are included in the quote-unquote ecosystem. Um, and they're you know, the ones who are influencing the sale of technology. They may not actually be selling any technology, but they may be being consultants or they may be working in the SaaS world with ISVs. And, and you're right. I, I think um, the theme being the business of tech, it'll be interesting to see whether or not our membership and the people who attend ChannelCon are how far down the road they are with this new way of taking products and services to market, because it has changed from a very, as you said, a very linear distribution supply chain to you know, a spider's web of how products and services and solutions and, and consulting and, and, and aftermarket work gets done um, and to the end, end customer. So I liked something that you said a few minutes ago about we've been talking about cloud for a long time because I think that ties directly into the first session that I'm doing on Tuesday. This is with our joint council meeting. Uh, these are advisory councils that we put together to kind of do a little bit of steering for CompTIA to help us look into different segments of the market. Uh, and so they're all getting together, and we are going to have a panel discussion on IoT. And IoT is another one that kind of feels like we've been talking about for a while, certainly not as long as cloud, but the the amount that we've been talking about it, it doesn't match at all the adoption that I think there is in the market. And And I think with emerging technology in general, this is uh, a place for us to kind of watch out, us at CompTIA and I think us, you know, our membership and in the industry that we can talk about something for a long time and then it feels like, okay, we've been on that one for a while, let's move on to the next one, but adoption, you know, is not there. And that's really the theme of, you know, this panel is, you know, we're not trying to talk about the cutting edge. We're recognizing that a lot of solution providers or maybe even vendors and certainly end users are, are not super well versed in IoT. And so we're going to be talking in general about the ecosystem and the things that you might want to do to kind of get yourself started in that and the fact that you're probably not going to wrap your arms around the entire IoT solution at once. Uh, and I think it'll be really educational. And the people on the panel uh, have been doing IoT for a long time, uh, but the message that we want to give is a little bit more basic. Uh, and so I'm interested to see you know, exactly how that's received and what kind of discussion that sparks out of this meeting where we've got you know, councils that represent several different interests and they'll all kind of be coming at it with their take. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I'm just uh, wrapping up analysis on state of the channel data that I've gotten back. And we had a whole section on emerging technologies. And one of the questions that we asked was, you know, how are you involved in XYZ? And we listed probably 10 to 12 different 
um, quote unquote emerging techs like blockchain and AI and IoT was on there. And IoT is the number one of all of all of those in the list. The number one uh, quote unquote emerging tech, as I said, uh, that channel companies are into today so it is a little bit it's a little bit more mature than the rest and i think we can all agree on that we've been talking about it for a while now um but i like i like the idea that you're sort of starting at a practical level uh with this panel that you're doing because i think that that is the entry point for a lot of a lot of uh companies that are in the indirect world is or coming from the reseller world is to uh, engage with IoT at the very at the at the at the basic level would be really around the hardware, and and then moving up the stack to becoming more of a manager of of the IoT devices and data, and then ultimately getting to the point where they are um, able to turn that data into something that is useful and actionable for the customer. So then you're really of value to your customer. You're not just managing, you know, selling them the hardware, installing the hardware, and then kind of managing it and making sure it runs. But you're actually the real, you know, holy grail of IoT is is what you do with all that data that you capture. And for those more sophisticated, I'm, I'm guessing that some of the people on your panel, and I don't know who they are, um, have maybe made it to that level where they are able to provide the analytics around the information that's captured. Right, right. These people could definitely talk about, you know, the latest that's happening in this space right now. Um, and we probably will a little bit, but um, the session's being recorded. And so it's going to go out to a much broader audience, you know, than this room of kind of executive level uh, movers and shakers. Uh, and so we want to keep it very practical, like you said. Very cool. So that's um, that's on the council meeting on Tuesday of on next Tuesday, week. Right. Okay. Very cool. Well, you've got a whole bunch going on. You've got a tech track. I've got two sessions that I'm doing. The first session that I'm doing is very wonky, but very important. It's on um, operational efficiency. So running your uh, running your business um, as efficiently as possible. Um, it's based off of a study that I did earlier in the year, but it is a bit of a perennial topic, especially among managed service providers, um, where, where uh, process is incredibly important for them to be able to maximize their profitability. And that's one of the themes that we're going to touch upon. I'm going to do some research at the top end of this particular session based on the study, as I mentioned. And then I've got um, going to bring up three panelists who are all um, all come from the MSP world for the most part. And they're going to be able to talk about you know how important it is to have repeatable process, to have automation, um, and to really run a tight ship. Because what we find is there are so many companies in our uh, world that are leaving money on the table, not because their sales are not are, are flat. In fact, that it's quite the opposite. People are really the revenue right now is really coming in. I mean, the economy is doing well, and people are are doing well on the sales side. But if you are inefficient in your operational areas, uh, you just bleed out money, and that's just profit that you're not taking in. So those are the kinds of things we want to try to get brass tacks about this in the panel and talk about the types of things that companies can do to shore up those leaks and make sure that, um, you know, while they might not be 100% optimally running, but get to get as close as you can uh, to optimal. And that's that's how you that's how you really um, boost the bottom line within the company. So it should be a good panel. I've talked on this before, and it gets the room going because everybody's experiencing the same aches and pains, I think, when it comes to how they run their business internally. And when we talked about this report before on the podcast, we kind of mentioned that there's this whole side of you know operational efficiency in how you're making your money. 
But then there's also an element kind of under this operational efficiency umbrella of just digital transformation where we're looking at these firms, these channel firms or enablement firms as an end user. And are they going through some of the digital transformation that they're trying to sell to their customers? And I think the same thing is happening with cloud computing, that there are you know channel firms or, or technology firms out there that may have been trying to sell cloud computing. And they come to us and they're like, can you tell us about what the benefits of cloud computing are? And I think we're starting to ask, well, are you using it? Like, are you able to describe what the benefits are that you're seeing? And, and so I think that within this operational efficiency topic, there's a little bit of that too, right? To, to ask, okay, you know, here are all the things that we need to do that are specific to, you know, our industry or the type of firm that you are. But here are these digital transformation pieces that if you're not going through, you're going to be missing out on some of the efficiency. And you're also kind of missing out on being in the same ballpark as your customers and being able to share stories with them and kind of tell them about your journey rather than just selling them a product. Yeah, you make a really good point. I mean, it's 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 difficult to sell your customers or consult with them on how to um, automate their companies and, and take full advantage of the digital economy if you're not doing that in your own business. Uh, there's a total disconnect there. I, I think you, you really hit the nail on the head when you talk about that. Yeah, so we'll... We'll see exactly uh, what happens. I'm sure you will get a very lively crowd for that one. Um, I don't know how lively my crowds will be in my technical track that I'm running. We'll have some crowd in the room, but this is a good place to talk about the fact that this technical track that I'm running, along with a second technical track that we're doing, are both going to be broadcast online. So if you're listening to the podcast here and you're thinking, this sounds great, but I can't get to D.C. next week, check out ChannelCon online where you'll be able to stream live a lot of these technical sessions. Uh, and the track that I'm running is all about emerging technology. So we, we've got a lot of sessions at ChannelCon that are a little bit more practical, talking about you know business matters of the day. And the other technical track is very focused on practical stuff. And most of the sessions there count for continuing education. Uh, but mine is looking into the future a little bit. Uh, and so it runs like all day Wednesday and Thursday. So I'll kind of be stuck in a room for two days there, but it's a good time because I get to see all these different speakers and especially for a track like this where we're talking about this future stuff and kind of wondering when is this going to come? I, I think it'll give people that, that might participate in most of that track a good sense of what are the hurdles you know, for some of these things. And as I'm hearing about the potential and, and the possible benefits, Obviously, all of this stuff isn't going to happen overnight. And so what exactly does it look like to get to that point? And then what are the skills and concepts that I need to be thinking about if I want to start adopting it? So we'll be talking about a lot of stuff. I'm doing an interview at the beginning that kind of kicks off the track and we'll cover several different topics. But then we go into mixed reality and IoT smart cities and uh, blockchain and some AI stuff. Uh, and so it really kind of covers the gamut. And it'll be fun to, to hear a lot of different perspectives on these topics. So is this geared toward more of our IT pro audience or is this just pretty much for anybody? My track is a little broader. The, the other technical track is called the IT pro track. And again, okay. it's kind of nitty gritty like you know, how are you configuring a firewall? What are you thinking about networking? You know, very practical stuff. And again, it ties into the objectives for our exams. 
and mine, I think, tries to kind of put a, a foot in, in both camps where it's like interesting to the IT pros that are going to have to do this stuff every day and also interesting to the people that might be selling or marketing or gotcha. managing this stuff uh, in their business. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, I, I, I guess we, we – did we just – break this into two this year or was it last year? I don't remember. It was but. last year that we did it for the first time. And then this year we've, I, I think we're doing even a little bit more to make that distinction between the two. Okay. No, I'll be interested to stop in for, for yours. I like the idea that we're going to be touching on all of these different emerging techs. I know that's a direction that CompTIA is really pushing. Um, and you and I have talked about emerging tech on, um, on Volley in the past. And, you know, it's, it's tough to put it all, we, we tend to put it all in one bucket, but as you and I have discussed, it's really a whole bunch of different technologies, some of which connect to each other, others that are distinct and, and are in their own lane. So it'll be interesting to stop by and see some of the um, speakers that you've got in this session, see what their take is on it all, if, if they consider it one big umbrella category, or if it's um, a bunch of distinct technologies that may or may not have a relationship to one another. Yeah, yeah. And, and we've got a good mix of people coming from different types of businesses and probably different stages of dealing with this stuff. And we've got a couple panel discussions in there. And so that'll broaden out the perspective even more. Uh, and it'll be, you know, kind of a long two days. But uh, <laughs> like I said, I think it'll be, you know, kind of interesting. I've, you know, emceed these, these tracks before. And it's, it's a good time. It, it does really provide a lot of insight into what's going on today and also what might be happening in the future. Yeah, very cool. So I'll definitely stop by after my session because both my sessions are in the morning. So I'll have plenty of time in the afternoon to stop in and, and listen to some of the folks that you've got in the track. The last session that I'm doing is uh, about a non-technology topic. It's about diversity in the high-tech industry. And we've talked about this on Volley several times. Um, I've done a study on it early early this year. And as we all know, if you read the news, you can't avoid seeing um, a lot of negative media about the high-tech industry and how it handles diversity or its lack thereof, both from uh, the perspective of race and ethnicity, but also gender is a big issue. And so I'm going to be presenting some of the research that I did earlier this year, which basically bears out all of the the, the, the stuff that you read in the newspaper that, in fact, uh, the high-tech industry is doing a pretty poor job of diversifying its workforce. And when it does diversify its workforce, it's not doing the best job of being inclusive and retaining the people that it brings in that may be different from the typical white male that they have working for them. Um, so I'm going to do some pre present some research, and then we've got a really great panel. I've got four panelists who are going to come up, all of whom are uh, either uh, working as a diversity um, or inclusion uh, person within their corporations. Uh, one is from a uh, actually from a high school in the DC area that's doing a technical school that's doing a lot uh, with respect to um, diversity within the high tech industry and just within industry in general. And I'm expecting it to be a pretty spirited discussion. I've, I've done a few of these panels before, and uh, they tend to get very, very, very spirited. But um, it's a big issue within the industry. And it's nice to see that there's awareness that's been generated. And I think that's really come to fore in the last year or so. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how many people turn out for this session, but I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, and even even though this one isn't technical, I think there's a similar theme here that we've had in the technical stuff where we're with the technical stuff we've been talking about 
are you really doing these things that we're talking about? And that was really one of the main themes of your research that a lot of tech firms almost seem to say, yeah, I think we're doing okay here. But like, if you <laughs> step outside of it, you're and you look at it from an outsider's perspective, or from a high level, it's like, no, we're not doing okay at all. And you know, what are we're, we might be taking these actions that we think are meant to bring people in. But to your point, are they staying? You know, is it working? You know, who thinks that we're doing okay here? Because if it's not the people that have been underrepresented for so long, then it really doesn't matter. Right. I mean, that was one of the biggest takeaways from the study was that when asked about uh, when asked how they thought the high tech industry in general was doing with respect to diversity, you the respondents were much more negative than when they were asked how their individual company was doing. They seemed to think their companies were doing great when in reality, um, the numbers just don't bear that out. I mean, and and so it's like I've, I've said in the past, I think it's a bit of human nature, it's psychological to want to believe the place that you work is, 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 the, is the good guy, you know, and so I think that that is why the closer to home the question got, the more positive the answers were. Um, but the reality is the it's not true. I mean, basically, that's the reality. And I think it's nice to see that people are kind of waking up to it. And, you know, one of the big themes that we want to highlight in this panel is not just everyone talks about recruitment, you know, how important it is to go and recruit minorities and recruit women and and find them in, in different pockets that you may not have looked at before, different universities, different, you know, different places. But the real issue and the one that doesn't get talked about enough, and we just mentioned it here, is the inclusion piece of this. And I think we're going to spend a lot of time on that with this panel. They seem very keen on talking about this. When I was had a, a call with them the other day, is it's it's not so it's not just enough to recruit minorities and women into your corporation. You have to make sure that the culture is such that they will stay. And that and and our data showed that you know women in particular they leave tech jobs in droves the the attrition rate is high and it's early so they prematurely leave jobs cuz they do get hired and but they get into their they get into the workplace and it is just a, not a good fit for them they don't it's not comfortable they don't feel included and they look for a job elsewhere and so i think we're going to spend a lot of time in this session talking about what companies can do from an inclusion standpoint to make sure that all the effort that they put into recruitment um doesn't fall flat because people don't stick around well, it'll be interesting to hear for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, yeah, that uh, that's a quick overview of what we're doing, but that's actually just a tiny part oh, yeah. of everything that's happening at ChannelCon. Uh, if you're if you're in the DC area and you want to stop by, or if you want to check out things online, then you'll see a lot more. I mentioned that we've got these two technical tracks, but. Carolyn's sessions are in another track, and there are several tracks. Some of them are sponsored by our communities. Some of them focus more on business issues. We've just got a lot going on. We're going to have keynotes. Our CEO will give his annual state of the industry uh, overview, and it's going to be a fun time, a busy time. Uh, it always is, but uh, it'll be good to see you. I look forward to it. Yeah, it'll be fun. We always have a good time. Uh, it's a lot. Of, it's very busy, a lot of work, but it's also it's 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 fun, and uh, you get a chance to network with a lot of people that you maybe only see once a year. So that's good. So I'm looking forward to it next week. It'll be fun. All right. Well, enjoy your weekend. Rest up before uh, the chaos begins, yes. and uh, I will try to do the same. Okay, you do that. I'll see you next week. All right. Take it easy.